Hello and welcome to the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank Garcia Hell, flying solo today for this very special episode. Uh, when Pat and I started this podcast, one of the earliest discussions we had was including pumpkin fans in some capacity. We also wanted to give a little more focus on the post-Melancholy albums that maybe didn't get the love that they deserved when they first came out, even from us. So we thought, why not combine those ideas and let our listeners submit their positive feelings on these albums? Think of it as a love letter to the underrated but important work of the Pumpkins. We reached out to our listeners on our socials, at Pumpkins Podcast on Twitter, at Smashing Pumpcast on Instagram, and asked people to submit a short voice memo of why they adore adore thankfully people submitted (laughs) we wouldn't have an episode uh we plan to do this for most of the studio releases moving forward so if you miss this round you have an opportunity this summer to share your thoughts on machina and machina 2 well we hope you enjoy this and i'll be popping back up here and there but for now i'll shut my big trap and hand the mic over to you in pumpkin land enjoy My name is Pam Fisher. I'm Polka Dot Pam on Instagram. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, and Adore is my favorite album of all time. I discovered the Smashing Pumpkins in the fall of 1991 at the age of 17 and fell deeply in love. I was a diehard, road-tripping superfan when Adore was released in 1998. Each album the Pumpkins had released had changed my life in some way songs found homes in my heart and helped me manage stress, process sadness, celebrate happy times, help me find my way in the world. Adore was no different, and yet it was completely different. I read the press leading up to its release and knew it was going to be a departure, sound-wise. And I knew it was Billy's death and divorce album. As a sad goth girl, an album about death and heartbreak was right up my alley. I'll never forget listening to this album for the first time. I worked at a record store, so I got to bring it home the night before its official release date, and I listened with headphones, lying alone in the dark. The best way to bond with an album. Nothing had moved me on first listen like a door. It shattered me in all the best ways. And it just sounded so cool. I've never been one to want the band to release another album that sounds like the one before it, no matter how much I loved the one before it. I embraced the new sounds and direction and honestly couldn't understand the fans who didn't. Tear and Pug and Behold the Nightmare. How do you not fall in love with those songs and obsessively play them on a loop? I hadn't had my heart broken, really adult style crushed when I first heard Adore. That would come five years later. I hadn't lost a parent when I first heard Adore. That would come 12 years later. I didn't know then the extent of the heartbreak I would feel in the years to come. This album came to me before I needed it and became my friend who would help me through a monumental heartbreak and the death of my father. I can barely make it through for Martha without breaking down now that I myself have lost a parent. And the song Blank Page saved my life, literally. Adore is a beautiful gothic dreamscape, a real dead opera motor crash. All the songs have a special place in my heart and mean different things to me. Nobody can write a song like Billy Corgan. His lyrics move me like no other. You make me real into Sheila. 
You're gonna walk on home. You're gonna walk alone. You're gonna walk so far. You're gonna wonder who you are in shame. And in Ava Adore, quite possibly the most romantic lyric I've ever heard. Lovely girl, you're the murder in my world, dressing coffins for the souls I've left to die. I'm a goth girl, what can I say? And don't get me started on the Ava Adore video. Best video of all time. I always say my favorite instrument in the band is Billy's voice. It's my favorite sound in the whole world. And when I have favorite parts of songs, it's often because of the way he sings certain lines or words. Adore is full of them. The up and down of, and the winding vines, the pretty boys dive and Daphne descends. The way he sings, you were on your way in terror. The way he sings the words visions and indecisions in apples and oranges. The Adore tour was beautiful. Some of my favorite pumpkin shows. Songs that weren't front runners for me on the album took on a whole new life, like Annie Dog, which surprised me by being one of my favorite live Adore songs. In the Adore studio documentary, Billy says, for the first time in my life, I understand the responsibility of love. I credit this album for teaching me about the responsibility of love. If I made a time capsule of things that represent who I am, this is the album I would include. Lush, sad, hopeful, beautiful. Adore means everything to me. G'day, Pumpkinheads. It's David coming at you live and direct from Canberra, Australia. Uh, very honoured to have the opportunity to contribute to the Smashing Pump cast. I have actually been binging the show for about the last six months uh, after discovering it on a Spotify search. So big shout out to Frank and Pat, as well as all the amazing guests that have been on the show that have made it such um, incredible and compulsive listening uh, for Pumpkins fans. Um, I've recently been going through from the start and finished the the Gish sessions and um, hashtag go as Joe and Frank and Pat, the Mark Ignofo skits had me in stitches every single time. So I think we should bring that back where we can. But hey, look, we're here to talk about Adore, which um, for me has always been an underrated and underappreciated album. And it's still to this day, it's one that intrigues and thrills and, and haunts me um, when I listen to it. I still vividly recall getting the album um, on launch day back in, in 1998. Um, I was in year 10 uh, at the time. I think I sent my mum to pick it up while I was at school. Um, she went, uh, got it from the music shop, which is the name of the shop in Australia were very literal about things. Um, she picked up the album for I think $29.95 because I've still got the sticker on the back of the album for how much it cost and um, at the time I remember um, it was the it was the absolute peak of my love um, for the Smashing Pumpkins um, fresh off melancholy of course um, and listening to that almost exclusively for three years I was hanging out for the new album and I don't think I've ever anticipated or had as much excitement for a for a release of not just music but anything um, in the creative sphere never as much anticipation um, before or, or since that moment really it was probably the most exciting day ever um, to to, to get home, to get the CD and, and chuck it in the old three-disc stacker, um, the old stereos that were quite monolithic in size um, and just, just cranked it and was transported to, to another world. 
Um, I have to say, I you know my initial impressions of the album. Uh, I mean, I loved it from from the get go. It, it took you on a journey. Um, the overall aesthetic, it was it was dark, it was brooding, um, it was ethereal. But there were also these tinges throughout almost every song, um, moments of of hope and and just through the whole album, just the the beauty of of some of the sections and and some of the passages and. I think as a as a 15 year old um, listening to this album, and even you know even today, it just um, it's an album that that takes you places. You certainly um, go through a lot of emotions listening to it um, as well. And it's an album that um, when it catches you in the right mood, it can just um, it can just destroy you in a good way. Um, I wanted to talk about just um, a couple of songs. Uh, I love the singles, of course. Um, they meant a lot to me, but there's a few other like um, little nuggets in there as well that I, that I have always come back to. And the first is the song "Once Upon a Time," which, without a doubt, every time I listen to, it gives me chills. Um, particularly the end, um, towards the end section when it when it breaks down into the "Once Upon a Time in My Life." Absolutely love that track, um, and it's probably one of my favourite songs ever. Um, also, really loved. Uh, the track Pug. It was just so dark and, and atmospheric and just listening to it with, you know, with headphones on. Um, if you're in a dark room or something, it really just transplanted you somewhere completely different. And the song Shame, which, um, you know, I, I just think we've all had moments in our lives um, when we've we've been, you know, feeling down about things. It's been difficult. It's just a song that if you listen to it in those moments, it just, it really resonates with you so strongly. And the last thing I was going to mention was one I've only kind of recently gotten into to, which is Behold the Nightmare. I think it used to be one that I would perhaps skip over or not get through the whole way, but in recent years have discovered just what a what a beautiful uh, song it is. In particular, the you know the breakdown in the middle where it goes into the vocal harmonies, um, which is so unexpected, and it's, it goes back to what I was talking about the the moments of beauty in in pretty much every song. Um, so in summing up, I really love that, that Billy took the band in, in this new direction. Um, part of it was by necessity without Jimmy, but you know, they could have just made another, you know, they, they had enough material using, using B-slides from, uh, from Melancholy to, make, to put out another album that was just the same, but I like that they took it in this direction. And if I ever had the chance to meet Billy, I would say that it was such a, a beautiful and, and haunting album. And um, it was one that, that means a lot to me in 1998 and means a lot to me now. So thank you, Frank and Pat, for this opportunity and and, um, all the best to fellow pumpkinheads around the world. Thank you. My name's Ness and um, I come from northern Spain. And I guess this is me trying to explain why Adore is such an important album for me. Which I mean, I don't think it'll be easy, but I'll try. Especially because I'm a rather worthy person. And it's very difficult for me to just get to the point but for many years I I've struggled with my own creativity and thoughts and for about a decade now I had this idea for a book inside of my head I had everything planned out I had the plot I had the characters I had just just about everything that you need to write down to write a story and I just wasn't able to do it for some reason I just just couldn't get it inside of me and for many years, this caused me a lot of pain and frustration because I just wasn't able to do the thing that I love the most and the only thing that I think I, I'm able to do. Um, I don't know, the only thing that I want to do. 
so I think this is what led me to just try and listen to some new music that would just magically maybe inspire me or I don't know maybe someone else's creativity would just pour over me and and bring some kind of magic salvation and and this is how I stumbled upon uh, Adore um, I don't know why it took me so long to listen to this album in all fairness because I already knew the pumpkins and and I was already so in love with them some of my favorite songs in the world were already smashing pumpkin songs uh, but I just I, I just don't know so I decided to play Adore just because it was the first album that popped up when I, I think I looked them up on Spotify. And when I sat down there and listened to it from front to back, there was something that just clicked inside of me. It was just so magic. It was so incredibly unique. Something that to this day has never happened before with any other album in the world. And suddenly I was able to just pour things out of myself and and just forgetting for a moment about how amazing that album is objectively how good the lyrics are how good the sound is and how unique it was back in the day the aesthetics of the album like I personally think that's the best the pumpkins have ever been um so just forgetting about that um this album is still so vital for me just because it was the only album in the world that allowed me to find a universe within myself and I think that's as good as it gets um, with me trying to explain this whole thing um, I, even though I feel a strong connection to Siamese Dream because most of those songs are just so they, they just hate home so hard to the point that they sound like things written just for me I think that even considering that I would still say my favorite album is Adore it is just the uniqueness of it it's just indescribable and um, I hope this was enough of an explanation as to why this album is just an album that you just just can't let go. Ness, thank you so much. I love this. I love the what you said about allowed me to find a universe within myself. That is perfect. Love it. All right, up next we got Will Alexander. A door takes me to that quiet, introspective space where it lives each time I hear it. Um, a lot like Brian Wilson with Pet Sounds, I feel like it captures like a really wildly creative guy kind of sailing into darker, more emotionally vulnerable waters. It's an album that doesn't bang you on the head with musical pyrotechnics right out of the gate, honestly. Um, no, not much bluster, no rock and roll arrogance, no teen angst. Um, no Jimmy Chamberlain, for that matter. I've, I always kind of feel like if, if melancholy is the musical equivalent of a wild MDMA-fueled party, Adore is the eventual come down, assessing the damage and trying to pick up the pieces. Um, there's really a lot of power to this album, a lot of staying power emotionally. 
Um, whenever I've lost friends and family in the past, uh, I, I really go to a door. I feel like it's it gives me comfort and it allows me to feel as deeply as as I do or, or as I have in those times. Um, it's it's such an intensely personal listening experience that a it's kind of hard to talk about, <laughs> and and b you know I, it's not like a record you just casually put on you know for a afternoon drive. I mean it really demands your attention. Um, so I guess. It, to sum it up, I, I would just feel like a door is just a beautiful, out of left field masterpiece from rock and roll's greatest out of left field band. Um, and I truly love it. So thanks, Billy, and um, thanks, Frank and Pat, for your podcast. Uh, my name is Will Alexander. I live in Asheville, North Carolina. And I work right up the road from the Orange Peel, where I saw them play a residency show in 07. And dang, I mean, I just, I couldn't hear for like a day, maybe two days. It was loud. But love you guys. Keep up the great work. And love you, pumpkins. Long live the mighty SP. My name is Mary Farah. I'm from Los Angeles and I'm going to attempt to explain or say in a few words why I love Adore. Um, it's such a complex album that covers grief in so many various forms. Granted, we all know what Billy was going through in his life at the time, writing a lot of these tracks. And it's just an album you can sit with. Um, I think you guys even said in part one of the podcast, it's just an album that you can wrap yourself in a blanket with. It's dark. It's not an easy listen. I even had to be in the right headspace when I first started listening to the podcast episode about it because it does bring up a lot of crap memories and stuff I was going through when I first really connected with it, which was about 15 years ago when I was a teenager. Definitely had a lot of the coming of age angst going on. Um, was really in love with somebody I still consider special to me. Um, definitely more unrequited love in a lot of ways. And it was just an album I'd listen to night after night till two or three in the morning after shit may go down or just dealing with the depression that I still, I'll be honest, I still deal with quite a bit of depression and anxiety. And Adore is an album that just really connected with me on that level. Songs like Tashila, Pug, uh, most importantly Crestfallen for me at the time. It's just, it's, it's hard, it's very hard for me to explain guys. I'm sure you can understand, but it was definitely underrated. I'm certainly one of those fans that loves it as much as I do Siamese Dream. I know a lot of fans of this album might not be as hardcore into the Pumpkins' other albums as this one because it is very special and unique. 
there's no moments like Geek USA or Here Is No Why. It's more to Martha, um, Dusty Pete. It's it's unique. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. It's very hard to explain, but. I almost think of Adore as an album a bit like a car crash you can't look away from on the freeway because the members were really, it sounds like, in difficult spots and this album reflects that. And as the listener, in my own regard, I was in a really crappy place or I often return to that crappy place when I listen to Adore. The album is really special to me it was amazing on the shiny and oh so bright tour to martha and to sheila especially really came alive and the visualette that played during martha and yeah it's just a bit like a deep therapy session and it's almost like as the listener you would think you're the therapist listening to the problems but you're just right there knee deep in it confronting your own blackness it's just a lot of blackness lots of times when I listen to the pumpkins or any of Billy's work for that matter there's a sense of hope which is what really keeps me coming back to their music like example when your life is oh so dreary so so dreary dream but you just you don't really get that with a door you're just in the thick of it and you're along for the ride so it's a strong listen, um, an intense one, but one I'm always grateful to take when I'm in that dark place and I need a friend to just sit in that blackness with me. So that is my two cents on a door. Um, thank you for the opportunity. Love your show. Rock on. So here's my extemporaneous view on Adore. Adore is my first Smashing Pumpkins album. In the 90s, I grew up listening to mostly rap and oldies in my middle school years, so I was not aware of them. Then towards the end of middle school, you know, got into the grunge scene as I made new friends, but I never had a band. Everyone else had a band. No one had a band. And I had heard of them finally in the eighth grade, but that's it. Plus, I never grew up with MTV. Then ninth grade rolls around, and I hear the song Perfect on the radio, and it was something incredible to me. It was just the first time that I fell in love with something immediately. Um, and that is when everyone sort of fell out of this Smashing Pumpkins fandom. Um, I did not meet any new people in high school that still liked the band after Adore. They completely dropped off and I um, inadvertently became the only Smashing Pumpkins fan in my class because Everyone else kept saying that they sucked after uh, Adore came out, and I just couldn't believe what they were talking about. For me, it went Adore, 
then backwards to Siamese Dream, then Melancholy, then Gish. So I was exploring so much of their discography in the first couple of years of high school. And those are probably my best music memories. I'm really glad that I have that. I didn't have people telling me this is the best band in the world. In a sense, I felt like I had discovered them for myself and it was beautiful and that hasn't let up. And much like you've said in the podcast, you can have your qualms about Billy personally, but the music is always there and the music still speaks to you. In years later, you can listen to an album and it means so much in such a different way when you're older. And Adore is probably one of those albums. It It's soul crushing now. Maybe back then it, <laughs> it uh, played to my goth sensibilities. You know, you're 14, you're trying to figure yourself out. So you delved into this darkness of the album and it's so soul crushing now knowing about everything, but it still works. It's beautiful and it's sadness. My name is Evangelina and thank you for putting together this podcast. It's really fun to listen to. Can't wait for more episodes. Hey, this is Omar of Zal, and um, I just want to talk a little bit about my relationship with the album Adore um, as a lifelong Smashing Pumpkins fan. Um, so I'm from Indiana, and uh, you know the album came out at the end of May. So I was finishing up seventh grade, and I was super into Siamese Dream. I was super into Melancholy. I saw them for the first time on the Melancholy tour. Uh, with Matt Walker playing drums. And at that time, you know, the, it seemed like the whole city was in love with the Smashing Pumpkins. They seemed like they were the biggest band in the world, and at least in my world, they were. Um, but something definitely changed with The Door when that came out. I remember I walked over to the local music shop by our school. Um, I walked over to the plaza and, and went in, and I saw some other kids in there um, that were great older than me and I was super stoked because I grabbed a door um, from the CD shelf and I went over to pay for it and they were asking me what I was getting and I was like oh it's it's the new Smashing Pumpkins album expecting fully for them to sort of reciprocate the enthusiasm and I was met with absolute apathy and sort of a scoff and an eye roll and it was in that moment that I realized holy shit I'm on my own as a fan it's over um, so it was in that moment where I realized that, you know, it wasn't going to be necessarily this big celebrated thing. They weren't the coolest band in the world anymore, and it seemed to change overnight. But that summer, that whole summer, I spent in my bedroom listening to it, and I think it really coincided with, you know, that sort of adolescent angst and blues that a lot of us felt in the Midwest at the time, and I, I really connected with the album. It didn't seem to take me for a loop. I didn't necessarily miss, you know, the big distorted guitars or the heavy riffing. You know, I always had Gish, Siamese Dream, Pisces, and Melancholy if I needed it, and I, you know, listened to those albums religiously, but 
I remember really being struck by songs like The Tale of Dusty and Pistol Pete and how beautiful and soaring the chorus of that song is. Um, I really loved that the new wave vibe of Apples and Oranges. Um, and yeah, the, the album did a lot for me. That The last third of the album, those huge sprawling ballads like Blank Page and For Martha um, struck a chord with me. I thought they were beautiful and I, I hadn't really you know, experienced music in that vein before. Um, I was always going for big dumb riffs and I, you know, I always liked those, but um, I think the album pushed me um, and my expectations of what music can be and it really opened my eyes um, in terms of more electronic music, more, more cerebral music, and music that makes you feel things other than just, you know, anger or wanting to, you know, jump into a mosh pit or whatever. So um, shout out to Adore. Um, it really made me a diehard fan. Um, it definitely primed me for uh, the reactions that Machina got. You know, I wasn't shocked um, when that came out and how that was met um, critically and by my friends. Um, so yeah, special album will always be a special album to me. I prefer it on vinyl and mono. I feel like it uh, really brings out a lot. Thanks for doing this, guys. Your podcast is awesome. Hi, guys. Uh, first of all, just wanted to say a big thank you for all the hard work that you do with the podcast. Uh, do please keep it up. It is always a really good listen. Uh, my name's Simon, and I'm from Wales. Um, I've been a fan of the band since about 2004. Um, I was born in 1990. So missed out on the sort of pinnacle. I got into them as a teenager, like everyone else, it seems. And um, yeah, around 0405, dived into the first three albums. And then I actually came across a door after um, I'd been obsessed with Melancholy. So it actually happened in the organic order that they were released. So I think a lot of my reactions are the same to people who were around at the time, um, having the same thoughts. Uh, for me, um, it's... I found, I found it quite an uncomfortable album, to be honest, um, and it's not one that I did obsess over at the time. Uh, I would dip in and out of it, but it definitely didn't have the uh, Siamese Dream or Melancholy, or even later on, the Machina attachment that I have. Um, I would just sort of dip in and out now and then. Um, for me, when it changed was when I saw certain songs played live. Uh, firstly, when the band played in France, um, in 2007, after the reformation. Um, I didn't get to go, unfortunately, but I did get to see them in February 2008. And I remember at the time, in 07, watching videos of what was coming out at the time. And they played Annie Dog live, and I thought, I just need to see that song played live. I don't know why, but I'd always just found it like a really just fun little song, like some of the more quirky ones on Melancholy, like Lily, My One and Only, perhaps. And then, um, it just sort of made me even more keen to see them live and see songs that I hadn't ever anticipated actually getting to see. So um, when I went to see them in, it was February of 2008, um, they opened with Poor Selena, which was incredible. Uh, but the second song they played was Behold the Nightmare. And it was a song that I hadn't really spent that much time listening to, to be honest. Um, As a door was, um, it was starting to grow on me. But getting to see that live, I think it might have almost been the highlight of the set for me. Even though they did play Mayonnaise that night, which I was so happy to see and I didn't expect. And um, obviously a lot of the other big hits. 
but for some reason, uh, behold, the nightmare just really stuck with me that night and since. So uh, yeah, really, I'd just like to describe the album as complicated, um, not as welcoming as the other ones. But I think these challenges, the sort of, the sort of challenge of having to stick with it and growing with it, uh, what make the album quite rewarding. And I'm sure that I'll continue to feel that way, to be honest. And it's the only album that still surprises me. And I feel like I can still uncover new things about it overall. So yeah, that's why I adore that album. So uh, I think I've rattled on a bit longer than I intended to, but uh, thanks again, guys, for everything you're doing. Thank you. Thanks so much, Simon. All right, so our next one comes from somebody named Starly Knight. Um, we apologize on the edit of this. I actually do all the editing for <laughs> these episodes, but uh, there were some noise issues. So uh, I had to do a couple of um, little edit tricks here and there. I didn't want to take it out of this episode because I really appreciated the time that they took to actually put this together. So I apologize, Starly Knight, but without further ado, here's why they adore, adore. My favorite song off the Adore album, it's Behold a Nightmare. Sometimes I try to pick up a happier song because this is really sad. I don't want people to think I'm sad. <laughs> it's not because it's just, it cuts deep, you know, I mean. And it's beautiful, you know? I mean, it's like disarm, you know? It does, it does give me goosebumps. It really does. And, you know, and then shivers, you know? And gets me thinking. And it's like, after the song is done, I'm like, oh my gosh. One of those beautiful shockers. I, I like to, you know, if I want to play a song, it's a shockers to people. The people's like, oh my gosh, that's beautiful. I mean, like, yes, it's one of my favorites, and I, you know, it's, I don't know, some knew the pumpkins or need a reminder of the pumpkins, or, um, they're like, oh my gosh, who played that song? I was like, it's Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, they're like, oh my goodness, I haven't heard them in such a long time. You know, it's like Disarm, it's almost, it's, I think it's more beautiful and more deep than Disarm, you know? Just, it's too bad that Adore didn't go as far. I think Behold of My Nightmare, I think it should have went out. Or maybe I can treat it as this surprise, amazing song, you know? Uh, hi there, Frank and Pat. Scott from South Australia here. What can I say about that sweet spot of an album coming out from one of my favourite bands just before I turned 16? My brothers and I had been into the Pumpkins since Siamese Dream, and while the more hard-rocking tunes on Melancholy were definitely my favourites, it didn't take long to settle into a door and enjoy the vibes it gives. What helps is that the change in sound was never a gimmick. Underneath that different production, there's still just those solid Pumpkin songs, which crystallised for me when the Pumpkins played some tunes from a door live in Sydney uh, for an Australian radio station and without the more electronic production they were just great songs. I'll never forget how much hard rock they put on Ava Adore or how 
mournful Blake Page could be when wailed in front of an audience. Adore also has amazing songs that are personal but also universal. The sentiments in Four Martha or Two Sheila can be applied in many ways, and I actually sing Two Sheila to my little girls at bedtime. And I think I've listened to Behold the Nightmare more times than any other song in the Pumpkins catalogue. Absolutely helps that Adore is best taken as a whole listen rather than cherry picking songs. Love the show, guys. Thanks. Behold the Nightmare, getting a lot of love. It's a sleeper hit of a door. I think it might be this album's mayonnaise. Hmm, who knows? Anyway, here's some more love for a door. Hey guys, this is Dan Staten. I live in eastern North Carolina. Um, big fan of the Pumpkins, have been since eighth grade. Siamese Dream was the record that, the first record that I heard. Uh, girl I liked in class, had it on tape. And, uh, you know, been a fan ever since. Adore, I was in my senior year of high school and I remember uh, getting it and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't, I expected something and that's why I didn't like it. But quickly wore the CD out. Um, I'm a huge fan of the second half of the record. The first half of the record, I really like Once Upon a Time, of course, For Martha, Behold the Nightmare, Pug, those were the songs that I really liked. Um, Adore is one of those records that always finds its way into my yearly um, mix of albums that I listen to. Every year I go a couple weeks of listening to nothing but Adore. It's always been one of those records um, since it came out or since I started to appreciate it. I do think it's some of the best lyrics and melodies that Billy has ever written. I love the super clean production of it. I've always, always been a fan of For Martha. Um, and I wanted to make a note that I was curious if you guys ever got to see what they did on the Shiny No So Bright tour for, uh, for Martha. Um, if you haven't, look it up. Uh, I actually cried at the concert when they played that part. Um, I think it's Adore has some of just the best stuff he's ever written. Um, and yeah, it's not like the rockiest stuff or, you know, the heaviest stuff, but absolutely top three. Um, it always kind of bounces between Melancholy, Sammy's Dream, and Adore for me. But huge fan. I think it's a great, great record. I love that it's finally come around. I'm not surprised. It is a fantastic record. I think a lot of the initial release was just because people, you know, they they were used to melancholy. They're used to, you know, heavy pumpkins. Um, and honestly, every one of their records has had influence on me and my own music that I write. Um, but the music that I write now, I have a project that I call Satellite Lungs. And if it were to be one record, as far as production goes, well, not even, well, not production, but the, the types of music it is, it definitely fits more with Melancholy and Adore than any of the other stuff um, because of the digital drums and because of the synthesizers and the, the focus on um, vocal overdubs. Um, but great record, great show. I'm a big fan. Can't wait for part two. 
And again, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, please go find you uh, some video on YouTube of them doing Poor Martha live. It is something else. So, love the show, guys. And uh, hope to hear from you soon. Take care. So in the summer of 1998, uh, about a couple days after my birthday, uh, a door came out. Um, I still had to wait a few days uh, since I was living in the Dominican Republic and couldn't pick up the album immediately. Um, Once I did, though, I remember, you know, I got it at the mall, um, brought it home, uh, and just pretty much uh, started listening to it uh, immediately. And once I heard to Sheila, it was really um, a bit of a shock because, you're, you know, when you hear Adore as the lead single and, you know, that's all they play on MTV, um, you know, I thought I was getting something different. Um, but it was different in a good way. Um, I just thought it was immediately like, oh, wow, this is a really beautiful song. And all the songs off of Adore, you know, just started really showing, wow, these are so, so beautiful. Um, Daphne Descends and um, going into a Nightmare, I was just so blown away. It just made me realize like, oh, you know, Billy isn't trying to just be an awesome alternative rock star. He's trying to be, you know, a huge, phenomenal, you know, music writing superstar. Um, and so that's why I always feel that Adore you know, is their best album um, because, you know, you he, he lose Jimmy and, you know, it, it obviously changes the relationship in his songwriting, you know, approach. And then I also started getting uh, comments from my parents, you know, saying, oh, your musical tastes have, you know, really matured. <laughs> um, they were starting to enjoy hearing what was coming out of my bedroom, which is always really, really funny and... Um, interesting um but yeah um it was difficult to see that most people didn't appreciate it or didn't understand and pretty much dismissed adore um in my high school at least you know everyone was kind of moving into their new metal you know phase um but or you know just really really you know finding you know hip-hop to be more interesting which at that time you know was going through a change um but, you know, overall, um, my love of the album has, you know, grown, um, especially through fatherhood, you know, playing to Sheila, to my daughter, to, you know, sing her to sleep and calm her to sleep um, was something that's super special. And even my wife um, got me the the deluxe edition uh, or reissue, you know, on vinyl um, because of that. You know, she fell in love with uh, to Sheila. So, um yeah, that's my adore story. And um, thank you guys, of course, for for everything. Um, these, this podcast has been amazing and, uh, you know, just really great trip to childhood. And even, you know, I'm looking forward to the you know, future albums. Thanks again. And I could bring you the Hi there, this is Jacob Kotner. I'm from Fort Smith, Arkansas, and uh, I do adore, adore. Um, I became pretty obsessed with the pumpkins when uh, Bolo Butterfly Wings hit, 
melancholy was huge for me. I was a gigantic, I mean, it was the reason I play guitar, still do to this day. Guitar has taken me a lot of great places, and it's because of hearing that exact song, seeing that exact video. One of the things I loved about the album was how diverse the band was, and uh, you know how some songs were very quiet, some songs were the heaviest thing you've ever heard. Um, so I really liked that. And uh, anyway, I was really sad when Jimmy left, and uh, you know Jonathan Melvoin died. Uh, I knew the band would never be the same, but I was so curious uh, how they would you know sound without Jimmy. I knew that that would cause an evolution in their sound. And uh, I remember reading all the articles in Guitar World and such um, about how it was going to be an acoustic record or it was going to be an electronic record or somewhere in between. Uh, on June 2nd, I was there that day. I went with my girlfriend. We were both big fans. And uh, we bought a door and we listened to it in the car. And Tushila came on and I just couldn't believe how somber this album you know began and I, I, I was blown away and it was immediately like it touched me on a personal level uh, my girlfriend and I actually had we hadn't been together that long it was my first real relationship but we broke up just a month maybe after the album came out so that I'm kind of went from being an album that my girlfriend and I shared to like our breakup album kind of and so it, it just really held a significance with me all these years forever and uh, it is not the best Pumpkins album. I definitely won't say that. Um, I'd still say that that probably goes to Melancholy or Siamese Stream uh, to some people. But it's my favorite uh, Pumpkins album because of how raw and emotional and how much it captures Billy's essence so much in, in that moment and, and just captures uh, the somber feel of the band in that time of, uh, you know, not being sure of where their career is going and, and you know, just just uh, not being sure about anything really, about rock and roll, not being sure about rock and roll. Anyway, I, uh, I really love the album. I still listen to it pretty often. Uh, the Deluxe Edition was fantastic. I'm really excited for the Machina Deluxe Edition. I really love that album as well. But uh, yeah, man, Adore is perfect. Um, Daphne Descends, uh, perfect. <laughs> uh, Once Upon a Time is so beautiful for Martha is so touching it was so great to see them play to Sheila and for Martha on the uh, Shiny and Oh So Bright tour it really brought it all home because I wasn't able to see them until then uh, anyway thank you guys for the podcast I love everything you guys do and uh, can't wait to continue on this journey with you uh, thank you so much My name is Noni. I am an introvert with a completely unpredictable streak of extroversion. I am an Aquarian and so essentially I'm often happiest in my own head and the fact that I'm recording this 32 minutes before the deadline is not particularly surprising. Um, and I'm still quite new at sharing pumpkin-y things with other people, so make of this what you will. Adore was released when I was 18. Um, I was full of trauma and anger and resentment and betrayal and powerlessness. Um, and when I turned 18, that was really when I had my first taste of any real sort of sense of control over my life. Um, I could drive, I could go out drinking. In a general sense, where I was and who I was with was um, under my 
under my control more than it had ever been. Um, there were still so many ways in which I was still powerless and there was a lot of illusion in that sense of control that I did have. Um, but it was the first taste that I had had um, and it was intoxicating. Um, I think there was a great temptation at that point in my life to revel in the power that I did have um, and combined with the anger that I carried, uh, it could have gone a lot of ways. Um, I guess I really do feel like it was a real period of being at a crossroads for me personally. Um, for me, the combination of youth, high intellect, humour, um, a slightly abnormal ability to see through people, um, a strong sense of empathy. Um, empathy, is, um, empathy is something which can be used in a lot of different ways um, and particularly when combined with a lot of anger and pain. Um, the easiest thing in the world for me to do um, was move basically move people about the chessboard of life like they were pawns um and i did it it was easy um and if i'm honest it was fun <laughs> yeah it was a very empty fun but there was certain certainly an allure to that power and that control um basically the um <laughs> the borg that was the world at that time was trying to assimilate me um and i think you know you have to remember that at that time, the, the world wasn't really interested in any genuine emotion. Um, it really just wanted to, to feed that rage machine and keep young people angry and venting um, and easily led. Um, and I think if they had succeeded <laughs> at um, assimilating me into their Borg world, um, I, don't, I don't think that I would have ended up just another emotionless drone. I <laughs> I think that I would have probably ended up that really scary fucked up bog queen um, moving people around and just using people up and discarding them without a second thought and certainly without any remorse. Um, I think you can, I think anger is something you can hide in. I think you can hide in rage. Um, I think you can hide behind a, a whiplash tongue a cold stare or um, <laughs> deliberate disdain um, and I think there was nowhere to hide in a door. I think you can hide from the world in a door um, perhaps but I don't think you can go to a door and hide from emotion um, or from yourself. Um, so I think there were some choices that without that reminder of the importance of compassion um, and of the strength that it takes to hold on to a, a true compassion. Um, I think, I think I would have ended up rich actually. <laughs> I think I would have ended up really, really rich. Um, uh, very successful, but um, probably at the same time, um, you know, I turned 40 not too long ago. Um, actually, actually it was in 2020, um, <laughs> but you know, since, since then, every day has basically just been the same. So I sort of feel like I deserve another go at being 40. Um, anyway, when, when I did turn 40, um, I had a look back as a lot of people do, um, took stock and, and I felt okay. Um, I didn't, I didn't have, you know, one of those 
sort of freak out, um, who am I, what have I done, sort of sensations. Um, and I do, I do sometimes think that without that realignment, um, without that that red hot poker through the heart, basically, um, without that reminder that how you handle loss and grief and pain, how you handle everything, really, um, it, it is a choice, and the choices that you make matter. Um, without the reminder of that, I think I might have ended up with a whole lot of money um, and a whole lot of regret. Um, so now I look back at that time and I think of that album, and yes, I love it, and it's stunningly beautiful, and um, all the things that Frank and Pat can say. <laughs> but honestly, what I feel for Adore um, is gratitude. Um, because I'm here now and I did dig my heels in and I did do it in the right way. I, I dug my heels in and, and flat out refused to let the things that happened to me and my powerlessness or just how fucked up the world was turn me into a heartless bastard. You know, I might leave this world and maybe I, maybe I won't have changed the world in any dramatic way. Um, I'm certainly not likely, <laughs> I'm certainly not likely to be leaving behind sort of a Corgan-esque legacy. Um, but I also feel like um, and hope that when I leave this world that I won't have left it worse off for the fact that I was in it for a time. Um, and that does matter to me. Um, so that's a door for me. Uh, compassion and gratitude because I will always be grateful for that. Thank you so much, Noni. We really appreciate your openness to talk about these things. Um, this is a safe space and we all have one love for the pumpkins and we love hearing these things. So uh, thank you for being so open and honest and sharing with us. All right. Uh, we got one more. Justin, take us home. My name is Justin Reeves. On uh, May 21st, 1998, I was filling my car with a plastic gas can in my front yard and a static electricity sparked and my car caught on fire. I almost caught on fire and eventually my car exploded and burned to the ground and I narrowly escaped. After this happened, I was a little bit mentally and emotionally scarred. Um, of course, this is May 21st, so two weeks later, uh, school got out and we went on a trip with some friends, a boating trip down to a place called Lake Powell, which is on the Utah, Arizona border. And my mom had to go into town to get some groceries. And I begged her while she was there to please pick up the new album because I knew it was coming out that day. And she did. And I was super excited because I was very into black and white photography at the time. I had a dark room in my basement, so I loved the photography. Although I had to put a piece of duct tape across a certain picture on the album so that I did not get in trouble with my parents. Um, that night, I uh, listened to the album for the first time, laying in a tent on a beach, a sandy beach, in the dark, in my sleeping bag. And I put on the headphones, and at, at this point, you know, I was only 16 years old, and, you know, the magic of opening albums like Cherub Rock, things like that, I didn't, I turned it on expecting something. I knew it, I'd heard Ava Adore, and I, I turned on the album, and Two Sheila came on, and I didn't know what to think. I was waiting for guitars or whatever. And so I listened to the song once, and... I remember thinking, what the heck was that? And then I turned it back on again and listened to it again. And then that album really started to, to relate to me. That that album, especially that time when I was kind of depressed and kind of messed up from my near-death experience, every song on there 
just blew me away. Um, and it actually it really opened my, my mind and opened my eyes to other music. That's like the biggest catalyst in my life of, you know, opening my mind to what other music could be is that this, you know, albums at this point, you know, 1990s, the, the louder the rock, the cooler it was. And if you listen to rock, you were cool. And here I am listening to two Sheila in my tent. And I suddenly realized how amazing, like, music could be not just the rock music and um ava adore was awesome because it has what i call the snarl factor um songs like ava adore and zero i'm not sure which other ones is this thing where if i'm listening to them and i start to sing along or even just listening to it the little my lip starts to curl into a little of a bit of a sneer when i sing it so i know with like zero and ava adore i start to involuntarily sneer because that's just kind of the attitude those songs have um perfect is I don't, I don't know if I can say it's my favorite single, but I, it might be because that's the one song that I can listen to on repeat, like for hours. I can listen to, to that on repeat. Daphne Descends, um, the breakdown with, with Darcy and the Ooze Oz is probably one of my favorite moments in all of Pumpkin's music. Um, that tracks one, two, three, or four is one of the best one through four punches ever in their whole catalog. I love the entire album. The last four songs, you've got... Um, Shame for Martha, Blank Page, The Nightmare, in whatever order. Those songs blew my mind when I listened to them. I, I, I couldn't believe how amazing those were. And for a kid who just survived, you know, almost blowing up, I had a rough summer um, emotionally, but that album totally, it soothed me. and made me realize that there's a, that it's okay to be sad. There's kind of a beauty in sadness. So where people would think of sadness is a, a is a negative emotion, you know, you don't want to be sad. However, this this album showed me that there's beauty in sadness, and the sadness is just another emotion that you're going to experience, but that you can find beauty in that and find peace in that, and healing. And so while Billy wrote this album, I believe, you know, to heal from the loss of his mom, I totally have this album help me heal from the, my experience and help me get through high school. And it, although it's probably not their best rock album. You know, if people want to say what's their best rock album, I will say for me, it's their best album musically. I think it's the most powerful album they've written. I absolutely adore it. There's a pun. But yes, greatest album of all time, in my opinion. Love it. Thank you to everyone who submitted their thoughts. Pat and I loved hearing from you. As I said before, we plan to do this for every studio release from here on out. The next recordings we'll be talking about are Machina and Machina 2. So go ahead and get those thoughts ready for sometime in May or June. Just email a voice memo or MP3 file to thesmashingpumpcast at gmail.com. And remember that cast is spelled K-A-S-T. And keep an eye on our socials for when those submission dates are and what the guidelines are for those recordings. Uh, more than likely, we'll keep the five to seven minute range on them. But just keep an eye out on Pumpkin's Podcast on Twitter and Smashing Pumpcast on Instagram, cast is spelled K-A-S-T. We really love this. We plan to include listeners more in some capacity in the near future. In fact, we have some upcoming interviews with some Pumpkin fans to talk about certain aspects of Pumpkin fandom. So look out for those very soon. Our next big episode will be sometime in the next month or so, and we'll be doing a two-part episode on the Arising Tour with some very fun guests. So stay tuned for that. Until then, farewell and good night.